I say man. All right, so here in Titus chapter 2, Titus chapter 2 this, this uh, morning, we'd like to open our scriptures to verse 11, and we'll read down to verse 14. And we want to preach on this morning, made by grace, made by grace. And we see the scripture is clearly talking about grace. And as we stand to our feet one more time this morning before we get to sit for just a little while, we will read there in verse 11. And immediately, as you see in the context of the scripture, it says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Father. I come to you in Jesus' name here this morning, and it sure is good to be around your people. It sure is good to hear of God's Word this morning in Sunday school. Boy, it was refreshing to sing the songs of Jesus this morning. And now we're asking, Father, that you'd help us to understand the Word of God. God, real, make it real clear, real plain to us that we may have no questions or doubt, dear God, about anything that's said this morning. Father, we are searching this morning for the soul that is lost. God, for the one today, dear God, who has no hope, God will find himself one day in a Christless eternity. And Lord, we're not desiring that for them at all. And so to this morning, God, we're trying to give the word of God and power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit, not with flesh or manly uh, words or manly uh, uh, abilities or capabilities, but Lord, by the Spirit of God, that you may take the Word of God and as the vessel this morning and use it for your glory. God, do a work in every Christian today. God, just solidify their salvation. Confirm it this morning. God, bring joy and happiness in their hearts because of it. And Father, we're looking, dear God, what you might have for us not only this morning, but even this evening. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So we hear a lot this morning in churches about the grace of God. And many folks have preached to millions of messages on the grace of God. You probably have heard, if you've been in church any time, the grace of God. The grace of God is a theme of the church. It's a great theme. Uh, by grace are you saved. Amen. Through faith. So we find that this grace that I'm speaking of, the grace of God, you can't be saved without it. Uh, you'll find that you're going to need grace to live the Christian life. You're going to need grace with one another. Matter of fact, you're going to need grace when you die. And so we find that grace comes from the day of being born again into the day that we find ourselves breathing our last breath on this earth. And all in the middle, it was on grace. Grace, grace, grace. Amen. We find this morning, though, more than that is that there is a, a point of the scripture that brings us to the place that if you're going to be saved or you're going to be born again, you're going to have to be made by grace. Amen. Not homemade, not remade, 
Not something that you feel like that you're going to get baptized and that's where your salvation comes from. Or you become a good person or you kind of weigh out the bad versus the good whenever you get to heaven and, and all of those measurements. All those don't really have no factor. Uh, you're not going to make you. You're not going to build you. You say, well, I got my own way to heaven. No, that doesn't work neither. You say, well, I've got my own definition of what salvation is. Well, that won't work neither. All I'm saying this morning is there is going to have to be made by grace. If you are at all going to be saved, you're going to find that you're going to be made by grace. You might say something like this, I am what I am by the grace of God. Whatever I am, it was the grace of God. If I'm different, if I've changed, if I'm better, if I have anything good in me, if I have anything that I can offer to you, it's completely by grace. Amen. Grace alone. My personality, my abilities, my capabilities, my skills, my gifts, all that I have, all that you have and all that you bring to your marriage and all you bring to your home and all you bring to your workplace and all that you have and all that you are and all that you will attain uh, to those that are saved this morning, our mind, our heart is this, by the grace of God. It all boils down not to me and what I have learned and my education and all the degrees that I have got and all the skills and all the accomplishments and all the businesses and all of the forms and all the successes and all the ribbons and trophies and all the pats on the back and all the name recognitions and all the fame and all the riches. It just boils down to grace. Grace. And so we see one word covers a multitude of things this morning. I want you to notice, number one, the purpose of the grace of God. The purpose of it, verse 11, it says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. In order for us to know its purpose, we've got to know its definition. What is the definition of grace this morning? Well, you could probably say it like this, the favor of God on mankind. So if we get any favor from God, if we get any benefit from God, if we get anything that helps or counts or, or brings us to a better position or place, we can call that grace. Grace. It's the grace of God. You know, God does not owe us anything, and we have no uh, at all anything to trade with God. Uh, God does not or is not obligated to us. Uh, he has not the answer to us. Uh, he is not, friend, the one that we can look to today and said, why did you do that? Why did you allow that? How can you allow children with cancer? How can you allow a, a father at 30 die? How can you allow a family to go through that uh, hurricane? How can you allow those to run through the flood? Uh, what, what made you think that it's okay to allow a family to be burned up in a fire. You got no place for that. He's God. He's God. We find the favor of God. We also notice the definition of it is the pleasure of God toward mankind. And so if you've got grace, you've experienced grace, you'll know that it was the pleasure of God. It was Him that looked upon you. It wasn't because you're better or because you have something more or because you have something that God wants from you. No, it was just His pleasure. Yes. 
It was just the pleasure of God. All of us are the same this morning. All of us put the pants on the same way, one leg at a time. All of us, Fred, are basically uh, the same type of people. We may have different hair color. We may have different lengths of hair. We may have different education. But, friend, we all got the same blood. We all have the same bone. We all have the same organs. We all have the same type of skin. We're all the same. Amen? And friend, I just say to you, what is the definition of grace? It is just the pleasure of God. God doesn't look one and have respect of that one. God doesn't look at another one and say, okay, I'm going to do more for this one than that one. No, grace just comes because of his pleasure, because of his favor. We're all equal in the eyes of God. None of us are better. None of us are worse. That ain't, ain't a money issue. It's not anything that of achieving anything. It, that's nothing that you're big or little or small. We're all equal in the eyes of God. And if grace finds you, it's because of the pleasure of God, the favor of God. Number three, you can say it like this, that the definition of God's grace is the benefit of God on mankind. The benefit of God on mankind. That's just the grace of God. The benefit. If you have anything this morning, if you got a dollar bill in your pocket, that's the grace of God. If you have a breath within you this morning, it's God's breath and you have been benefited by God. That's grace. If you have enough sense to come out of the rain, then you have God's grace. I'm just saying this morning there's a benefit of God, a favor of God, the pleasure of God. It means this morning that's grace. Uh, It was the benefit of God, mankind and its wickedness. See, mankind in its wickedness, we're all born in wickedness. We're all born in sin. We've all been conceived in sin. We've all been conceived in iniquity from our mother's womb. We find ourselves at the very worst of our lives, at the very sorriest of our times, when we were the darkest, when we were the meanest, when we were the ugliest, when we were just what we really were and what we really were. It's when God's grace... God's favor, God's benefit, God's pleasure. We find that's God's grace this morning. There's nobody in this room here would do anything. You would not show favor to the meanest individual in all the world. You would not show benefit to the one who's trying to hurt your family and trying to remove things that belong to you. You would not at all have pleasure with anybody today that's just as dark and wicked and sinful. What we do with those type of people is we try to stay away from them. Isn't that true? I mean, you're not going to go outside and go down the road and try to find a robber or a murderer or a, a someone this morning and say, hey, come live with me. No, no. But see, God, when he looked at us and he saw us, he saw wicked and he saw worse. He saw not very good. He saw very evil, very bad. And what did it take for God to do something with us? It took grace. 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 The definition of grace. I love the definition of grace this morning. I wish I had more grace. I wish I could be more like God in the way of grace. Oh, I say to you, for him, it would be a wonderful thing if all of us would have just a little bit more of grace. We find the definition of grace. We find the purpose of the grace of God is the delivery of grace. We find in verse 4, 
I'm sorry, verse 11, we find that the grace of God, the, the favor of God, the benefit of God, the pleasure of God bringeth salvation. Bringeth salvation. So how did we get saved if we are saved? Well, it was grace. Grace that brought it. It was grace that bringeth deliverance from the devil. You and I that were born, we were born the child of the devil. We were born in the power of darkness. We were born, friend, as the pupil of the world, who the God of the world is the devil. When we're born, we're not born children of God. We're not born coming out of our mother's womb as someone who has relationship and has fellowship with God. None of us, amen, were ever born that way. You got to get born again to be that way. But all of us was born in the place that we were the children of the devil. We were of the family of the devil. He was a murderer. He was a liar from the beginning. And we'll follow him as we live and as we go. But during that period of time, we find that grace delivered us from the very power from the very family, from the very hand of the devil. He snatched us out of the devil's realm and under the influence and the power of the devil, it was grace. Grace did that. Not your prayer, not your baptism, not your decision, not your choice. Grace. Grace bringeth salvation. We find that it bringeth deliverance from the devil, but it bringeth safety from hell. All of us was determined and headed for a place called hell. But it was grace that come forth and brought safety. Uh, that word salvation means safety. And now you and I can live with our heads on our pillars and we can walk in this side in this present world and we don't have to worry about hell. Amen? We don't have to worry about the lake of fire. We don't have to worry about burning for all of eternity. We don't have to worry about the torments of being tormented on the inside and tormented minute on the outside. We don't have to go around talking about hell. We don't have to go around worrying about whether we're headed there because friend when we cut our eyes for the last time and breathe our last birth we can say this that grace bringeth salvation. Friend he has brought safety from hell. He has brought deliverance from the devil or from Satan. And what else has grace done? Well grace according to bringeth salvation has brought healing from sin. Grace has brought healing from sin. Whenever grace brings, comes forth and salvation into your life, you'll find not only will you get forgiveness of sin, but you'll be pardoned from sin. That's two different things, amen? Forgiveness and pardoning. But not only will you be pardoned from sin, oh, but the shame of that sin will be lifted off of you. I tell you, the third thing will take place. The guilt of that sin will be removed, amen? So you'll find no shame in it. You'll find no guilt in it. You'll find friend that sin will no longer be attached unto you and cause you to have grief and sadness and sorrow of life of who you used to be and all you ever done and all the weakness that you committed and created in your life. Oh can I say that this salvation that grace has brought forth will bring a healing from sin. Am I right? Amen. The word of God is right. So we find a deliverance from the devil. Isn't that good? And now we find this morning a safety from hell. Oh, we find a healing from sin. 
And then fourthly, we find, we find a preservation from death. A preservation from death. And when you get born again, when this grace comes upon your life, when grace is brought unto you, salvation comes unto you, and who you are this morning, you're now preserved, and you're preserved from death. The Bible says we pass from death unto life. Amen. Amen. The Bible says, Jesus said, you shall never die. I like that thought, amen. The Bible says, you shall never perish, but have everlasting life. And why is that? Oh, because grace preserves us from death. From death. The second death. We find, you say, well, how about the first death? Well, that's been preserved too. If the Bible is right and the Bible is right. In, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, talking about the rapture, he says those that are sleeping. Everywhere in the scripture where it talks about a child of God who's been born of the Spirit of God, who's been delivered by the grace of God, you're not ever dying, you're just sleeping. And one day you're going to be resurrected. And one day you're going to meet the Lord. And one day your body, uh, that will be a glorified body, will be met with your soul. Amen. That's already been absent from the body. Is a present with the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm so glad the grace of God delivers. Amen. Delivers. Man, if I wasn't saved today, I'd get saved. You know, I wonder... If you're not saved this morning, why aren't you getting saved? It's confusing to me why you want to live in such a way. The definition of grace, the delivery of grace. I notice the dominance of grace. The Bible says in verse 11, it says, hath appeared to all men. That's the dominance of grace. Hath appeared to all men. What are you saying, Brother Larry? You say, isn't there some places on earth today that's never heard of the grace of God? Oh, not according to the scripture. The Bible says that this grace, the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. What does that mean? That means it became clearly known. Salvation in the way of grace has become clearly known in all places. You say, well, what do you, how about this place? Yeah, it's been clearly known in this place. We find that it's been clearly known not only in all places, but it's been clearly known to all people. For example, the ones that you need to be concerned about this morning is not the ones in Africa and not the ones in Siberia and not the ones in India and not the ones down in Kuwait and over there in Gaza. You need to be considered right now the one you need to be worried about is you. That's who you need to be concerned about. Many times you're thinking about around the world and all the world who hasn't maybe the ones back in the deep of the forest or ones deep in the desert or one deep in the woods. Fred, you say, how about that individual? Listen, the Bible's teaching you right now this morning that the grace of God has bringeth forth salvation to all men. The dominance of it. And right now in this room, in this church, on these pews, is the God giving you grace and telling you, listen, it has come to every place and to every person, and you need to understand, if you hear it this morning, it's come to you. You now know it, and now you're responsible for it. You, you got to deal with the grace of God this morning. 
That is God's favor. That is God's pleasure. And that is God's benefit this morning to everyone hearing, to everyone listening, to everyone living. There is a universal need in all mankind. And right here in this one verse, God gives the remedy of that need. All mankind has one need. They need their sins to be forgiven. They need to be delivered from Satan. They need to have safety from hell. They need to have healing of sin. And they need preservation from death. And God in verse 11 says, it has appeared to all men. Isn't our God good? I mean to bring such grace to you and I. So we find this morning the definition of it. We find the delivery of it. We find the very dominance of it. Appeared means to shine upon. It means to be visible. And friend, when the grace of God is being preached and when the grace of God is being appearing and the grace of God is bringing salvation, you'll find that the grace of God will reach every soul. The grace of God will reach every sinner. The grace of God will reach everyone. That's what the grace will do. That's how dominant it is. Through the grace of God, if you're under a, 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 a preacher uh, preaching the word of God and the spirit of God is moving and the spirit of God's blowing upon you and you hear the God of the word of God and the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God, friend, you'll find that that grace will move down into your soul. It'll move down into the center. It'll move down into the places, friend, where you must just look up and say, Oh God, I need the grace of God this morning. Every one of y'all who's saved experience that someday. The grace of God. My, what a grace. My, we thank you, Lord. Without the grace of God, we wouldn't even know what the purpose of it is. What is the purpose of the grace of God? It bringeth salvation. That's what it does. Without God's grace, none of us would be saved. Without God's benefit, God's favor, and God's pleasure today, none of us would be born again. None of us today. You wouldn't be here. I wouldn't know you. You wouldn't know me. You wouldn't be in the condition you are now. You wouldn't have what you have now, friend. Some of y'all already be dead and in jail and prison. Some of y'all might be on the street. Then some of y'all might be owning businesses. You might be rich and wealthy and you might be famous, but you're lost and headed for a devil's hell, friend. I don't know. I'm just so glad that the grace of God has appeared unto all men so that all men can be saved. Number two, I notice, not only the purpose of the grace of God, but I notice the power of the grace of God. Now, we always talk a lot about the grace of God in salvation, and we always say this, and I believe we cut, our, I believe we cut the lost people short with this statement. We always want to say this, we pray that the lost people get saved. And we do, we want that, right? I mean, I hear parents, and I say it myself, I sure like for my children to be born again. Yes. We say it about our family members. I wish they would get saved. Yes. Uh, we, we say it about our neighborhood and, our, and on our street and, and even in our workplaces and our friends and even some of our enemies. Hmm. We say, I wish that they would be born again. Can you imagine if we lived in a world of born-again believers? Can you imagine today if everywhere you went there was just Christians? 
Nobody else. Just believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. My, what a wonderful thought that is. But you know, Christianity goes further than just being saved. And right here in this verse, it makes it very clear and very plain. We found the purpose of the grace of God, which bringeth salvation, hath appeared unto all men. But I noticed the power of the grace of God. If you have got the very purpose of the grace of God, which brought you to salvation, uh, then you'll notice that that same grace that brought you to salvation will bring you to verse 12. You see... uh, I believe this morning uh, that somehow, some way, we try to divorce or divide verse 11 from verse 12. Because we like the very mind, we like the very heart of having salvation. And we like it by the grace of God. But the grace of God don't be in there. And the grace of God doesn't just become kind of idle. The grace of God moves on and moves forward. And it says this this morning in verse 12. Teaching us. Now who's teaching us? The grace of God. That denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world. Looking for that blessed hope for the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. If you have experienced this morning the grace of God, and you have been delivered from Satan, and you have been put into safety from hell, and you have found a healing in sin, and you have found a preservation from death, You can honestly say with the help of the Lord that the grace of God, I'm born again and saved, headed for a place called heaven. Amen. Glory to God. I hope everybody in this room can say that this morning. But what you also need to say is that same grace is teaching me. That same grace is teaching me. That same grace is doing a several things in my life. Number one, that same grace is reforming me. It's reforming who I was. It's reforming where I came from. It's reforming my liquids and my verbiage. It's reforming my friends, reforming my mind and heart, reforming of the things I do and the places I go. It's reforming. That grace of God that saved you is the same same grace that will reform you. If you're not being reformed, then you didn't get saved by the grace. If you're not being warned this morning, that's being taught. Now that word teaching us believes this, means this this morning. And that word reform means to change the person. So when I receive the grace of God, and you received the grace of God, there began a change in my life. I began to get reformed by the grace of God. And in this reformation, it all starts with a teaching. The word teaching means three things this morning. Number one, it means to train up. So next thing happens in our salvation is in our 
Christian walk or in our Christian life is next thing we get, no, we get salvation. But we find now a teacher, the grace of God, and that grace of God is beginning to train us. Train us. Train. What does it mean to train? Well, teaching and training is two different things. But this teacher is training us. What, what are they training us to do? He's training us to be like Jesus. Right. Amen? Uh-huh. He's training us to be Christ-like, to be God-like. Uh, training us to be where everybody around us and everybody with us will say, listen, you're in training. Right. <laughs> I remember when I was in the Houston, uh, Houston uh, the Police Department Academy. And uh, we had to wear blue pants and a white shirt. And everywhere you went, you had a white shirt with a, you know, Houston police deal on the side of my arm. And so three or four of us would go to the store. We'd go to the restaurant or whatever. And we'd all have those white shirts on. We'd have those, blue, we all looked the same. But we went in there, everybody was looking at us. Everybody wanted to come talk to us. Everybody wanted to say, hey, you are going to be a policeman? And I'm thinking, how do you know? I mean, why would you ask me such a silly question, you know? Well, i tell you how I knew. Uh, because in training, you find yourself with a real short haircut and a real short and a real fit pants and a real fit shirt with a very shiny pair of shoes. And you got an emblem on the side of your, your arm that says the Houston Police Department. And you go to the same place in Aldine Westfield every day at 7 o'clock and you run the three miles you run every day. You work out for an hour on the way you get in and learn the penal code. You learn the map of Houston. You begin to learn all these ways of doing paperwork and driving cars and, and listening to people on the radio and all the radio talk. And you got all this uh, stuff going on in your head. You're thinking, what's going on? I'm not a policeman, but I'm training to be a policeman. And when the Holy Ghost of God comes in your life, friend, you find yourself as a Christian, but you don't know anything about being a Christian. I know you say, well, I've been going to church for a long time. You still know nothing about being a Christian. You say, oh, I grew up in the church when I was young. Hey, you still know nothing about the Christian. You, well, you know what? I learned all the books. I know all the stories. I got everything down pat. I've been watching. I've been looking. I've been paying much attention. But until the grace of God is your teacher and begins to train you, you know nothing. Matter of fact, it's just above here and has nothing to do with your reformation. Because, see, if it did do something for you, you'd have already reformed a long time ago. Because there's people in this room right now, you know all about the Word of God, you know all about Jesus, you know all about God, you know all about heaven, you know all about hell, you know all about those things you grew up here, you listen to all this kind of preaching all this time, so you're still unsaved. The reason why is because of the grace of God. But when the grace of God begins to train you, then you get somewhere. Number two, this word teaching only means train up. But this word teaching, boy, it's a powerful word, and I hope we can understand it clearly this morning, but it will train you up, but then it will educate you. It'll educate you. You'll find that not only do you just get some knowledge, but you get something that of the meaning of that knowledge. For example, I'll give you an example this morning. If I would say John 3, 16, everybody in here would probably say, oh, I know what that is. For God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son. See, some of y'all moving your lips with me. Because you got it memorized. But what does it mean? What's the value of it to your life? How does it change you to be a better husband or a better wife? How does it move you that you'll be a child in obedience to his father and mother as you're submissive to the father of heaven? The John 3, 16, how does it change you with your friends and the values and the morals in which you hold? You see, you may know John 3, 16, but you're not educated in it. But when the Holy Ghost of God finds its way into your heart and the grace of God has delivered you unto salvation, you now got a teacher, the grace of God, that now begins to educate you. So that when you come to the house of God, it happens often amongst us, amen, and with me as well. That's when I'm studying the Word of God and I'm getting with God and I'm on my knees praying, asking for heaven's help, friend. I get here, I begin to preach the Word of God. I see some of y'all begin to write notes and begin to put things down and, and begin to think about what's being said. And now at the end of the service, you'll come up and say, you may not say it to me, some of you do, and say, brother, I didn't think about that. That was good. I knew that verse all alone but I didn't know it meant that Hmm. educated Uh that's why church may not be an interest for you tonight because you're not getting educated it's because of the lack of the grace of God you need a teacher Uh it's why if I had a preacher that didn't scream if I had a preacher that didn't spit and a preacher that didn't sweat and a preacher that didn't move all over the place it may be better for me Hmm. it may be better for you with all those Faults and failures you just got to mention about me. I'm just doing my very best with what I can know what to do with. If I could do it different, I would do it different, but I can't do it different because I'm not going to do it for because God ain't told me to do any different. I got to do it the way I am and who I am this morning. But all that I am and what I'm doing really has nothing to do with anything. What has something to do with something today is what I'm saying. I know I said a lot, then wrote real fast. It's what I'm saying that matters. But see, those who have the grace of God, it won't matter who's saying it. It won't matter the style. It won't matter the scream. It won't spit and all the sweat. It won't matter in all the movement. It don't matter because your ears and heart is focused in in what's being said, not who's saying it. And that's why when you listen to preachers who are just quiet and like a cat and some people who just just monotone and they just kind of bore you all the way. Friend, if there's no teacher there, you'll run away from there in a minute. But if there's a teacher there and the guy's just speaking and he doesn't have much emotion, he don't have much conviction, he don't have much expression, but what he's saying is the Word of God. Uh-huh. You say, I like that. Yes, amen. I'm just saying education. This teacher not only would train you up, but it will educate you. Then lastly, that word teacher means discipline. Discipline. And this is what the grace of God will do for you in the way of moving in your Christian life. He will discipline you. Fred, you'll find when you say a cuss word, you're like the dirt. You'll find when you got an evil thought of lust over a woman or lust of a man, you'll find within you that you feel like, man, I just felt the almighty God. You'll find that when you say something wrong or you make a lie or you get angry and you make a sarcastic remark or you got bitterness in your heart or jealousy or you got malice or of ill intent, that you'll find all these things in life. You just can't keep on going like that right. because the grace of God's disciplining you. Right. 
I mean, don't you get tired of going to the woodshed? Don't you get tired of just getting whooped on? Don't you get tired just getting corrected, instructed? Don't you get tired of every time you come to the house of God that God just kind of just cutting you up, moving you in, trying to get you Hey, friend, listen, that just tells me when folks tell me this, they say, brother, you spoke to me today. Or brother, I didn't know that you even knew that. Or brother, I'm telling you, you stepped on my toes today. I say, glory, hallelujah, glory to God. Praise God. Give him the highest of the greatest of all. Because, listen, that means something's going on in your heart. But when you walk out of here, as dead as when you came in, and as cold as when you came in, and you leave out of here as you was, as friend, with no touch of anything, with no feeling of anything, no Bible in your hand, no love for Jesus, no commitment to Christ, no uh, obedience to the Lord, no faithfulness to his church, and you leave out of here and go back on your life, I say, uh-oh. Right. Right. No grace there. Because when there's grace, there's discipline. Yes, amen. When there's grace, there's education. Uh-huh. And when there's grace, there's training. Right. Isn't that good? good? Did y'all know that in that verse? Uh-huh. I didn't know that. I know it now. We find to reform. Let's talk about the, the reforming here. And uh, I probably won't get much further than this, but we'll just go as far as we can. The Bible says, the teaching us, again, that's the training, that's the education, that's the discipline, that denying ungodliness, denying ungodliness, Is that your choice? No, that's your training. That's your education. And that's your discipline. That's what that is. In other words, I don't have have a choice. No, you don't have a choice in this matter. That same grace that saved you is the same grace that's telling you, I have taught you by this training, by this education, and by this discipline that you to deny ungodliness. This ain't optional. This is the way it is. Denying means rejecting. And the way that the verb is written and the way that the Bible has got it penned, it means it is a settled matter. In other words, there's no other thing, no other thing that you could say that could get you out of this. It's a settled matter. Here's what I'm talking about. When it says teaching us to deny ungodliness is a settled matter. What will you do? You'll deny ungodliness. That's what you'll do. Will I have an option in it? No. That's just the grace of God. As it was for your salvation, are you still going to heaven? Yeah. You still deny ungodliness. Still going to heaven? That's a, it's a settled matter. Denying ungodliness, settled matter. You can't separate the two. Settled matter. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means this this morning. That means that you will reject anything that's contrary to God. Anything contrary to God, you say no. Well, what if it divides in our family? No. I heard somebody say that this week. Well, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to divide our family. It's going to, well, I, I say to them, I did say to them, I said, well, Jesus come with a sword. Right, that's right. He said, he come for peace. He come to divide. Mm-hmm. Amen. That's right. I mean, we can't put our families over Jesus. No, 
You can't put your spouses over Jesus. You can't put your children over Jesus. You can't put your family reputation and family tradition and family and family inheritance over Jesus. It ain't gonna work with you, not with grace. I said to them, I said, you gotta do what's you gotta deny what's contrary to, to God. That's what denying ungodliness means. Reject it. It don't matter if it hurts whoever it hurts. It don't matter whoever makes angry, angry. It don't matter, Fred, if they like you anymore, if they come to your chicken dinner, if they come to your Thanksgiving, if they come to your birthday party, if they come to your children's wedding, if they come to your mother or daddy's funeral. It don't matter anymore because I have the grace of God and the grace of God. Settled matter. Deny ungodliness. Amen. Amen, brother Larry. I'm telling you, we're living in such a Sissy Christian world. I'm telling you, it's sickening to me. It's nauseating. It is nauseating to God because it said that in Revelation chapter 3. You're neither hot nor cold. But you nauseate me and I spew you out with my mouth. I'm just saying this morning to deny Ungodliness is to reject anything contrary to God. Also, it means to reject anything against God. Against God. Rejected. If they're contrary to God, contrary to God's Word, contrary to God's church, contrary to God's people, contrary to God's grace, they're against it, you have to reject it. Reject it. Reject God's, reject anything contrary to God, anything against God. Reject anything unlike God. Anything like, unlike, you've got to reject it. Well, brother, I tell you, man, that, that's going to make it really tough. That's what grace will do for you. You want to go to heaven? Settled matter. You want to be a Christian? Deny ungodliness. Settled matter. Grace. Grace. Oh, it's not that beautiful no more, is it? it? It's not that like exciting like it was well ago, Brother Larry. Well, that's grace. Reforms you. It does. It reforms you. It reforms you by only rejecting the ungodliness, but also, verse 12 teaches that it reforms you in the way of refusing worldly lust. The Bible says in verse 12, it says denying ungodliness and worldly lust. The word deny means reject or refuse. It's a settled matter again, longing for what is forbidden. That's what worldly lusts are, things that are forbidden. You know, in your old life or your lost life or your first life, there's things that you've done and you, that you agreed with. You know, sex outside of marriage. You know, getting drunk. You know, stealing and lying and cheating. You know, I mean, just things like that uh, that we all did when we were young or younger. Uh, that seems like that, that's just the way humankind is. They're just vile, depraved. 
Uh, we find today that the Bible says once the grace of God has brought unto all men, appeared unto all men, and now you're saved, now the grace of God is teaching us in the way that we're to refuse those things that are forbidden. Now when you get saved, there's some things that are forbidden. Is that true? I mean, you don't get saved and get to do everything you used to do. You don't get saved and have the same friends you used to have. You don't get saved and get to do and be and go and have everything that you had before. Now, there are some things in life that's not forbidden then or now. Right? Like eating a cheeseburger. Before you got saved, you ate a cheeseburger. After you're saved, you eat a cheeseburger. And I don't know, maybe in heaven. Might be a cheeseburger. I don't know. There's going to be a supper up there. Who knows what's going to be on the plate? Nobody has an answer there. All I'm saying is there are some things that you did in the past that you can still do today that's basically okay. But there's other things that have been forbidden, and you know what I'm speaking of. The Bible says that you're going to have to refuse those worldly lusts. Too bad. (laughs) You say, well, I got got that that feeling for it. I, I got that craving for it. For that camel cigarette. I like to use camel. I think about a camel. People who smoke cigarettes are just suckers. They are. I mean, you know, I could go, I want to say one more thing. Isn't it on the back of the package, isn't it say something like a warning on that? So you take the package and the warning of the package is if you partake of this, there possibly could be some damage to you. Right. <laughs> and you smoke it. Right. I mean, really? You say, what? Well, only God can help you. I mean, I believe a ther- therapist can't help that. A psychologist, a psychiatrist, a shrink. I mean, I, I just don't think, Fred, anything can be helped except God and His grace. That's right. I'm going to say things like this, even on gambling. You know, on a gambling deal, now I never gambled. I never, I don't do the pick five, pick six, pick ten, or whatever. Then if I, if you do, I hope none of y'all win. <laughs> hope you lose every dollar, every five dollar, every ten dollar that you put in your gambling. That's wicked. It's a, it's evil. As a matter of fact, it's so evil that even when on the on the little card, because the guy showed me one day on the card, and even on the advertisement it says, now if you are getting into like a habit, mm-hmm. is that right? For you gamblers. Yeah, see? See, Mom? See? Yeah. I'm going to have to check her house, man, make sure she ain't got a, some of the pick fives. And yet you go anyway. It's crazy to me that, to think this, but the fact is, it's those things that are forbidden. Now, God, through the grace of God, he says you're going to have to refuse. Number two, that word, that word worldly lust, it means that something that is corrupt. You're going to have to refuse what is corrupt. It might get to the place, friend, and can I just say this to you? I mean, it, it's something, for example, like taking cocaine or smoking pot or, or taking a drug or shooting up or snorting. You say, well, man, that's obvious. Well, that is obvious, right? But then on the other side, there's people who take pain medicine. And at the very beginning, it was something for a good 
cause, I guess it was, because of the pain in your back, your leg, uh, whatever the pain was. But now the pain has kind of subsided and everything. But now you're hooked on the pain medicine. Right? I, it, it can go all the way follow even something even more simpler. You say, well, I like my coffee in the morning. But when you don't drink coffee in the morning, you get the shakes and you get gripey. Is there something about that in a way of now having a, say it, a habit? Huh? Man, I got to have my Coke. Boy, I got to have a Coke every day because if I don't have a Coke every day, man, it just makes my day incomplete. You pull away a Coke, and man, you get kind of crunk. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Let's just get it down to the nitty gritty. Me eating french fries. This ain't too good for my body. The saturated fat, the oils in which they're, they're cooking it in. It's a potato. Potato increases much trouble. Some of those french fries are not even, they're like, they're not even foods. It's like a chemical. You know, it's like a couple things put together and it's called a french fry. There may come a place where that becomes forbidden for you. Sure. I'm just trying to say this morning, from being a drug addict, all we don't eat in a french fry. All along the road, when God showed you something that's corrupt, and God shows you something that's forbidden, and God shows you something that is evil, you now have the grace of God to refuse it. Right. Amen? Amen? This is what God's grace will do. I don't have more time than that, but I'm just saying this in closing. There's the power of the grace of God. And when you get saved, you'll get reformed. Amen. Cannot separate the two. You get regenerated, you get reformed. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's stand to our feet, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Refusing what is worldly. I didn't get to say much about that, but worldly fashions, worldly fads, worldly music, worldly music, worldly movies, worldliness. Refusing the craving for that. Refusing. Worldly help us, Lord. You need to become get saved this morning. You come. Let the grace of God appear to you this morning. If you are saved, you said, Brother, I'm just not, I'm not refusing nor rejecting the things that are needed and necessary. I know that I've quenched the Spirit of God in my life. I know I have created trouble with the grace of God. I'm sorry. Ask God to forgive me this morning. I've allowed the world, the forbidden things, the corrupt things, I've allowed those things to be part of me and my who I am. I don't want that no more. That goes against the grace of God. Whatever you need to come for this morning, you come. Let's do business 
with the Father through Jesus Christ. You sing, brother. Nobody comes. We'll, we'll close this morning. You sing. I surrender all. Oh, come, dear friend. Yes, amen. That's right. Surrender all. Completely give in. Completely give up. That's right. All to Jesus. He wants your heart. He wants your life. He don't care about too much of anything else but your heart. Would you give your heart this morning? He wants your life. He don't want you to die for him. He wants you to live for him. Would you this morning? Yes, Lord. Grace of God. Grace of God. The grace of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Blessed be your name. Well, amen, church. May the Lord bless you. I love you, church. I'm so glad that you're here this morning. Uh, about 3 o'clock today, if you'd like to come to the fellowship hall, help us stamp some tracks, uh, you're sure welcome to do that. Uh, if not, uh, we'll stamp them anyway. Deeper than the ocean and wider than the sea is the grace of the Savior for sinners like me.
it was offered at Calvary for everyone, greatest of treasures, and it's mine today, though my sins were as scarlet, he has washed them away, his grace reaches me, yes, his grace.